Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast, a ministry of the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International. We seek to encourage and inform pastors on modern-day topics from a biblical perspective. Our mission is to bring together like-minded Baptists to collaborate in glorifying God through fulfilling the Great Commission. Well, this is going to be hopefully just a super practical. It's hard after lunch to come into a session. I don't know about you, but it feels like nap time to me. And so um, we're going to try to include you as much as possible because I'm also interested in stealing your ideas. All right. And um, it's it will be super helpful. Um, this class is designed to share ideas um, and it's. And I create an outline on purpose to give us flexibility so we can spend more time in one area and less time in other areas uh, today. Um, But I don't like to reinvent the wheel. If someone's doing something that is working, um, I'm going to try to emulate that. Um, And so um, this class will be a safe place to share your ideas um, and I'm going to ask if we can suspend judgment uh, just for a little bit. I know we're at Baptist. That's like one of the tenets. You know, um, it should be in our acrostic. They just couldn't fit a J in. Uh, and so, um, but just for a little bit to say, hey, I'm going to open my mind to say, um, I may not agree with a certain pastor's idea, or maybe that doesn't fit within my philosophy of my church, but is there an element of that that I could take and use Um, to help me reach people with the gospel. And so um, I'm afraid that when we sometimes get together as pastors and we share ideas that someone walks away saying, I don't think you love Jesus the way that I love Jesus. Because if you did, (laughs) you would do it my way. Um, And so uh, I just want you to know, we all love Jesus. I'm assuming the same amount equally. And, um, and so, um, and you may have a better way of doing it. And I'm, I'm great with that. Um, um, you may not like any of the ideas that, that I threw out today. I'm also comfortable with that. Um, you'd fit right in at First Baptist Church. Uh, for, for context though, I have spent the last 11 years in a rural setting. And before that, I was in a mega city setting. So I lived in Houston, Texas. Eight million people. We had 250,000 with lived within five miles of our church. And so um, I have had the different context in order to reach people with the gospel. But I'm pretty much going to be sharing what we've done at our rural ministry um, there in Washington for the last 11 years. It's about 5,000 people, just a little bit less. We, um, the closest... I would say similar church to us would be 36 miles south, and the next one would be over the mountain in Republic, about an hour away, and then an hour and a half south in Spokane. So we're not packed right on top of each other like sometimes we are in the east or in the south. Um, And what happened was when I decided to candidate at First Baptist Church in Colville, Washington. While I was there, I decided, hey, one of the things I want to do is I want to meet with business owners and find out what is the reputation of First Baptist Church before I commit to bring my family here. And so as um, as I walked and talked to business, I had two questions. Um, what do you know about, who do you know that goes to First Baptist Church? And then what do you know about First Baptist Church? In a town of under 5,000 people, they didn't even know I had a Baptist church. I was shocked. I mean, you should at least know something bad 
<laughs> right? I mean, statistically, you had to have run across someone in our church that's done you wrong or talked to you the wrong way or offended you in some way. I mean, nothing. It was just crickets. And here's the, here's the crazy thing. There is a drop-off line for 30 minutes at the junior high, and First Baptist Church is across the street from the junior high. How do you drive past it every day and not even know where it is? Um, well, it didn't take me long to find out, so I walked in, and you know, I know that track racks get a, a bad um, rap, right? Um, and we use an invita- a special invitation card rather than tracks at our church now, but um, there was there was nothing in the track rack. And when I met with the deacons and asked them, hey, um, so when is the last time that you men have invited someone to come to church? And they just um, simply said, we haven't. And so um, I guess what I'm saying is that if you're starting from scratch, so was I. And it's possible to see a church become passionate about sharing the gospel and inviting people to come to church. And so here's the key question that I ask our deacons. Now, remember, I need to phrase this correctly. I waited 12 months and then I started asking this question because I needed a little bit of credibility in the church. Um, But after... After my first year, I asked our deacons this in January of 2013. I said, if First Baptist Church did not exist, how would our community be different? So if we closed our doors tomorrow, who, besides those that actually worship here, who else would know that we had closed? And everybody looked around the table, and we kind of had one of those uh, deacons, you know, the E.F. Hutton in the room. You know, when you ask a question, everybody kind of turns. Fortunately, I mean, after after a few years, I became that. They would look at the pastor, but there was just a, a deacon that they would always gravitate to, and they looked at him like, yeah, uh, you know, are you going to answer this or what? And, and he just said, um, if we continue like this, we'll be closed in 10 years. That was maybe the most honest admission that I had had from the deacons up to that point. Um, If we continue like this, we'll be closed. And so the reality was that nobody would miss us. And so um, I mentioned in my sermon, so I'm not going to re-preach it. You know, the command is to go and then go into our communities. And so I just started letting our church know we can't continue to sit inside of our building and hope that someone comes. We've got to get to where they are and we've got to start inviting them to come. The Bible says in Luke 14 that we're supposed to compel them. Right. Um, And so. On top of the uh, beautiful situation I walked into, um, then I went to my first pastors conference of the networks in the in the northwest. And we went to Cannon Beach, a beautiful area. We were staying at the conference center there, and I was expecting a rousing preaching to stir my soul, to go out and win more souls, and to get our church on track. And so we sat down for our first meal, my wife and I, and you have to make sure that I tell this correctly. Um, He asked, one of the pastors we were sitting with said, you know, where do you come from? I told him Houston, Texas. And then he said... um, you know, what is your kind of your vision for your church? And so I told him, you know, I'm like, here are my heroes of the faith. Billy Sunday, Charles Spurgeon, these guys, they turned the world upside down. I said, that's what we like to do in Colville. 
And I expected an older pastor in the faith to say, God bless you. We've needed this for a long time in the Northwest. We're here to pray for you and support you. What can we do to help you? His answer to me was, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I, I was, is that correct? Yes. He said, he said, well, good luck with that. So I started taking Michael Hyatt's advice um, when he said, never take advice from people who aren't ex- getting the results that you want to experience. Um, if you don't like what you see in the life of the messenger, it's probably best to ignore the message. Right. And so uh, you can guess that this pastor's church was in his words, intentionally small. <laughs> and um, and that's not really where I wanted to stay. And I'm not saying that I'm all about numbers. I'm just saying there were more people in our town who needed the gospel. And so um, I really wanted to see our cha- town change for the gospel. For me, that began with prayer. We have on uh, Colville Mountain... There is a cross, and I don't have a whole time to tell you um, about how that got set up there, but um, it, it looks over the it looks over the town. Um, there's a big sea built with rocks on the hill up there. It's lit for free by Avista Energy, and you can see it from seven miles away when you're driving up the valley. Um, but there's a hiking trail that goes up there, and so we hiked up there and we prayed over the city and said, "Lord, give us souls." Right. And so um, how do then we begin to do our outreach events? I'm guessing that I went the wrong way. Oh, schedule it. There you go. Schedule it. We won't do anything if it doesn't get on our calendars. Um, I know that because I sat in a room for almost two years with our deacons talking about outreach events. And if they, and they never made it on the calendar, it wasn't until we said, okay, listen, we gotta stop talking about this and we gotta do something. Um, uh, so I've heard it said that a goal without a plan is a wish. And we wished a lot. Um, scheduling puts it out there for others to see and it creates anticipation for the event. So I started holding on the, Fourth Sunday of January, every year we held a Vision Sunday where we actually put down on paper and we said it out loud to the congregation, this is what we're going to do to reach our community this year. And when we first started, and I was a solo pastor for the first three years, when we first started, I only did one a year because that's what I could manage. Um, I... Like the quote from G.K. Chesterton, and this may help you because this was my philosophy early on when I was solo pastor. Anything worth doing is worth doing imperfectly. I'm a perfectionist. I, I'm in schedule. My wife will tell you it drives me nuts to ride in a car where I can hear a pin uh, rolling in the in the compartment. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I can't stand. I'm like, hey, I just want to hear the noise of my tires. That's it. That's all I want to hear. I want to hear the roar of the engine, but I don't want to have anything rolling around. Um, my office, in fact, in our, in our original sanctuary, there were blinds. And I had a gentleman in my church who knew how much it bothered me because I wanted things so, so. He would walk down the aisle on Sunday morning and turn one of those blinds because he knew when I was preaching, I would look over there and I would be fixated on like, <laughs> somebody needs to take care. Nobody else sees this. Do you see this? This blind is not turned the right way. That's a little OCD. I understand. Maybe not. You're not there. But what I what I said was to our deacons was if we can't do everything that we want to do with outreach, at least we can do something with outreach. 
Anything worth doing is worth doing imperfectly. So in that quote, he says, or I guess I extrapolated out, if you can't do 10,000 steps, you know how your watch tells you, hey, 10,000 steps, then do 1,000. And if you can't write 2,000 words, write 200. And if you can't declutter the whole room, do one drawer. If you can't brush your teeth for two minutes, <laughs> do it at least for 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I'm talking to college students. Uh, if you can't plan fun, exciting, quality time with your kids, then at least lie on the sofa and read a book together. Do something. So every year on Vision Sunday, we would just lay out the imperfect plan for the year. But we were going to do something. And nothing creates accountability like putting it on the calendar because people are anticipating we're going to do this. So... We're going to talk in this section on Schedulet about some in-reach and some outreach activities that we did. Because what I don't want to do is spend all my time saying, you need to pray, you need to do this, you need to do this. And we never get to actual meet of what we're meeting today, which is what are some ideas to reach our community. So in-reach events for us were things like we held a Valentine's banquet. And we invited couples from the community to come. We would cook dinner for them. Uh, we would do fun game show type events um we still do i'm not involved in it mother daughter tea i don't actually know what happens they use our gym um it's decorated really nice <laughs> uh, you'd have to ask my wife about any of the mother daughter events um we do a, a father son camp out but actually now we call it guys get out because a lot of our single guys in our church were saying am i invited can i come it was for every guy um, we, we have a, uh, we had a vibrant men's ministry. So guys get out. Uh, we did a, a men's shootout. Now, um, I'll explain that a little bit. We have a, a trap shooting club, um, in Colville and we would rent their facility. One of the range guys would be there with us. Um, we would buy all the shells and we would provide all of the shotguns and we, they were voice activated traps and we would go out and shoot and then if you brought an unsaved guy you and your unsaved friend ate steak for free everybody else paid 15 bucks but if you brought an unsaved friend you and your friend ate free it just gave some incentive to some of these guys that say hey listen i'd like a free steak um men's and ladies retreats so we had a men's and ladies retreat in the fall and then we did a few years uh, with a couple in between family camp. I don't know if some of you guys still do family camps or not. So those are some of the ones that we did. And when I say in reach, these are for really for those things that happen inside the church. The rest of what I'm going to mention are outreach events that happen in the community. Um, and I'm going to give you a couple things that aren't actually events to start with because I think they will give you a platform when you're doing your events. One of those is if you don't currently belong to your chamber of commerce in your town or your city, you should. We were the only church. Now, believe it or not, Colville has 22 churches. <laughs> That's insane to me. 5,000 people, 22 churches. Um, I don't even know uh, who attends all of these uh, buildings, but they were there. And so, but we were the only church in the whole town that belonged to the chamber of commerce. What did that do for us? We paid a $300 membership, but we got to put all of our events through all of the business leaders in town. 
They got an email on Monday that told them all the events that were coming up at all the businesses, and we were on there every week with something. Whether it was a WANA or vacation Bible school or a men's retreat, ladies retreat, whatever happened to come up, we got to advertise for free. They also put one of our invitation cards in every newcomer packet. Do you move to Colville and you came into the Chamber of Commerce because you want to know what was going on? You got invited to First Baptist Church. We were the only one. I couldn't believe it. We were the only one who did it. it and um, it was it was super simple. And then on Tuesdays, they had a no host lunch where um, they met at one of the local establishments. And um, and then you met with the other business leaders in town and someone got gave up, got up and gave a 20 minute speech on whatever they were, whatever they were doing. And I was there, and they're like, hey, hey, it's Pastor Dennis, First Baptist. And then it was, it's just Dennis. And we walk into the home and garden show at the college. We had a junior college. <laughs> it was smaller than this. Uh, and so in Colville, but it was an extension of the Spokane community. I walk in, and if the Chamber of Commerce people were sitting there, they was, hey, Dennis, how's it going? How's things at the church? Then they let me do, now I couldn't preach to them. You know, they didn't want a sermon on Tuesday. <laughs> But I got to give them business principles from John Maxwell and some of the leadership principles that tied right back to biblical principles. Might even slide a verse or two in there. Wouldn't I just wouldn't tell them which book of, it was from. I would just slide it in there and say it like it was a quote from someone. It was Jesus. Uh, and so, um, but they were like, hey, that's really helpful. Would you come and speak at our retreat that we do for all of our, all of our um, uh, Chamber of Commerce directors? Um, it gives you some platform. The other thing I do is set up a, a time to meet with your school superintendent, your public school superintendent. Um, and he's going to be suspicious because mine was dramatically suspicious. He was afraid. I said, I called his secretary and said, hey, listen, this is Pastor Dennis over First Baptist. I just wanted to uh, get in touch with the superintendent. I know he's new to town, moved from Alaska. He's probably looking for a friend. I just want to take him out to breakfast. I got to the, the um, place where you're getting breakfast, and he's looking at me like, this is not going to be good, is it? And I was like, no, I'm serious. I just, I just wanted to meet you. I know you're new to town. I'm new to town. And I figured, you know, the new guys should stick together. It sounds like you might need a friend. It sounds like most of your meetings don't go very well. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Uh, <laughs> mine don't either. And so he's like... Uh, he, he, he still was suspicious the whole breakfast. He was waiting for the ask, like, what do you want? I was like, I don't want anything. In fact, this last year, we did an outreach to our school teachers. And we can't give the gospel on campus, but I can give them the gospel that's off campus. And up in Washington, I don't know where you guys are at, but we have these standalone coffee shops that look like half a single wide trailer. They got a window on each side and you just pull through and you pick up your coffee. There's really fast um, coffee places. And so we partnered with one in town and said, listen, here's what we would like to do. We want to provide free coffee for the entire school district from the administrators down to the janitor. They need to show their school ID. And when they come in, they show that school ID. I want you to build First Baptist Church. We can either do it at the end of the month or we can do it at the end of the week, but it's only going to be three days long. And so um, everybody gets a 16-ounce drink of their choice. But when they show their school ID and you hand them the coffee, we want you to hand them a thank you card from First Baptist Church that also has our service times and the gospel on the back of it. And the business is like, that's fantastic. We'll do that. And so we generated $700 worth of income for them. And we got goodwill from the community. 
and we got to thank our local public school teachers and give them the gospel off campus. Now, how many of you want to guess how long it took for one of our members to call and tell me what a bad idea that was? Two hours. Who said two hours? Right on. Two hours. That was my first phone call. We don't, it's because it said, we appreciate our teachers. And they said, but we don't. I said, why not? Because this, they're teaching the ways of the world. You know, this is the, this is the uh, spawn of Satan. They didn't say it exactly that way, but that's the way it sounded in my ears. Uh, you know, and so they're damaging our community with all of this. And I was like, you realize that most of these people don't want to be teaching any of that. And most of them don't. And I said, it's a lot easier to say thank you to someone for a hard job because they tend to listen to the gospel than it is to tell them how bad they are and say, and we want you to come to church. You're awful. You should come to church. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. So I just, so I told him, I said, listen, I really believe the Lord would have us reach into the school system, but I cannot give these cards out because that's the gospel on them. I cannot give them out on school grounds. The superintendent will not allow it, but he will send out the QR code for each of them to show their badge and, and to be able to scan the QR code on their phone for a free coffee. So we're going to do this. You know what? After 11 years, my deacons were like, send them to us. I love that, you know, because that's not the way we started. Uh, and so when they send them to us, if, if someone has a problem with this outreach, you know, send them to us. Um, so when you reach out to your local school system, sometimes, and I know churches have done different things, they provide a meal before the games for the, for the players and their families. I've heard of all kinds of different ideas in the school system, but I always like to make friends with the school system and the local business leaders. So let me give you some actual outreach ideas. If you're not doing VBS, I encourage you to do it. Maybe you're small and you need to ask for help. Please don't be too proud to ask for help. You know, there are, there are churches who would love to come and do a missions trip and help you hold a vacation Bible school. But reaching families um, in your community, super helpful. Um, we started doing, along with our Awana at the beginning of the year, also doing a kickoff where we, round, we rented bouncy houses and did the registrations that way. And we gave out the gospel to the families. And a lot of people who didn't normally come to Awana came to that because their kids heard there was going to be a bouncy house and they heard there was going to be games. And things so we did our we did a week that wasn't actually awana it was called registration night it was separate from the actual running of awana in order to get families on our on our campus um, we did outreach a couple different outreaches to single moms and widows um, i know that the command is just for the local church and widows indeed on top of that who don't have families to take care of them but i have a real heart for single moms and widows and so um our deacons allowed us um, to reach out to the entire town of Colville. If you're a single mom or a widow, we partner with a local um, auto part, our auto repair place. His name was Norm. Um, and this year we did it with Toyota, so it's been four years. So 2022, did we do it this year or 2022. Oh, uh, we partnered with the Toyota dealership because there was new ownership at the Toyota dealership. But what we did was we partnered with them and said, hey, listen, call First Baptist. 
We put it out on Facebook and in the newspaper and said, um, if you're a single mom or you're a widow, we want to, before winter, we want to get your oil changed and your tires rotated and your windshield wiper fluid switched over to sub-zero fluid. It won't cost you anything. They're going to bill us directly. But in order to do that, you need to call First Baptist Church and give us your name, your email, and your phone number. We're going to give you a special code. You call the Toyota dealership and you schedule it with them. And then um, the Toyota dealership did for us. They're like, hey, if you're going to generate business for us, what can we do for you? And we said, we would just like you when you put in the plastic floor mats in the front of the vehicle so that you don't mess up their car when you're doing their oil change. If you could just put a packet of information in the seat. So it was a personal letter from me, the pastor that just said being a single mom or a widow is difficult. Um, we would love to have the opportunity to minister you to you beyond just an oil change. Is there a way we could pray for you? Here's our phone number. We'd like to hear from you. Um, if you're a widow, um, this is a difficult transition, and we have a 60-plus ministry at our church. And if you would, many of our widows were older. That's why I say that. I know that can be younger. But this is the ministry that we have that can reach out to you and surround you with love. Um, at the very least, we hope this has been a blessing and taking something off of your plate because you're already full plate, something like that. Love your friends at First Baptist Church. Had a keychain that said First Baptist Church on it, and it had an invitation with the gospel in it. And we said, could you, could you set this cellophane packet in the passenger seat so when they pick up their car, they have the, the material? Um, we actually had a write-up in the paper from an opinion piece that said, why aren't more churches... Like First Baptist Church, <laughs> and we didn't write it. You know how you know how that is. You're like, ah, I'm gonna write. <laughs> we didn't even have to do it ourselves. Uh, so, um, so that was one of the outreaches that we did. Um, over and over again, when we partner with local businesses to do things like this, they always ask me, "What do you want in return?" It was so fun to say, "Nothing. We don't want anything." We just want to be a part of this community. We want to reach people with the gospel. We want to be a part of the community. If we can drive business to you, and it also helps us, this is a win-win. And so we rarely were told no. Now, Dr. Jim mentioned that not everybody enjoyed all of my crazy ideas for reaching people. So I'm going to give you one of those. You can choose to use it or not. Um, we only used it once. It was called a gas giveaway. Originally in 2020, when prices really shot up, um, we thought, I thought, <laughs> I'd say we, the collective we, uh, I thought, man, you know what, what a great opportunity to be an encouragement to our town if they didn't have to pay those high gas prices. What if we partner with a local fuel station and bought down the price of gas by 50 cents a gallon for three hours? So I went to the local owner and said, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to pay the reduced price, whatever that difference is, First Baptist will pay the difference. So if it's $4 a gallon, you'll charge the customer $3.50, and First Baptist is going to make up the difference for three hours. And we are going to train our people, if you'll allow us, to stand at the gas pump. And we had these little lanyards that said First Baptist Church, and I taught our people to give the gospel in under two minutes. It takes three and a half minutes to fill a 30-gallon tank. So you need to be able to give the gospel in two minutes or less. And we had invitations. We had a keychain packet, all that stuff. 
And the gas station attendant agreed. The owner agreed. And he lowered his price on the sign. And we had people lined up around the block. It was fantastic, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and then we had, a, we had a bus pull in of someone who, like, full-time RVs. And they're like, can we fill up? And I said, you get 30 gallons. I'll give you 30 gallons. He's like, right on. He hooks up. But I said, you know how long? It's going to take quite a little bit longer for him to fill up. And so we got to give him the gospel. Now, here was the thing. A lot of my deacons, some of my deacons thought, you know, pastor, I don't like the idea of paying for people to hear the gospel. My philosophy was, isn't that what we do every Sunday? We make a mortgage payment, if you have one. We were fortunate enough, we didn't have one, but you have a mortgage payment, you pay for the lights, you pay for the water. You pay for your pastor to stand up in front of the congregation to give the gospel. What is the difference between that and moving it off campus? Um, But we only did it one time, and we only saw really... Two people come to church because of it. But I liked it because it was fun. And um, <laughs> that's just how I'm wired. I'm like, let's, if we're going to fish, let's have fun doing it. Um, and so we, we did that. Um, I'll, I'll give you another controversial one that, that gives us difficult. I, I didn't, it just wasn't original with me. Uh, we had a Border Patrol agent who came in. Um, he's been with us for about six years. He was the chief of our station. Now he's chief down in Spokane. Um, he and his wife did a trunk or treat at their previous church in Texas. And I don't know where you're at on that, so I'm just going to, yeah, some people are like, no, pastor, you know, uh, and so I get that. And we have quite a few in our church that fall there, too. Um, but I will say this. It's the first and only time we've had 2,000 people at one time at our church. So you may say that's too pragmatic for me. We can be brothers without being twins. We don't have to agree on how we get it done. Um, But we gave the gospel 2,000 times. And we have quite a few people who are attending our church who are like, man, that was fantastic. We loved it. It was a clean environment without scary things that that was very enjoyable. Um, We've done a stakeout. It's much like our trap shoot. I mentioned the teacher's coffee. We've also done that for first responders and medical professionals. During COVID, we did it for medical professionals. We did a pizza giveaway. The first 100 people who pull in the parking lot on a Friday night get a free Papa Murphy's pepperoni pizza. Put it out on Facebook. They were there pretty fast. Uh, and we had a gospel invitation, right? an invitation to our church and a gospel track right on top. Um, now, remember, we didn't do all these in one year. We would pick two or, two or three. First of all, we started, the first three years we did it, we did one a year. And then we did two a year, and now we're up to about three a year. Um, we've made, um, let's see, what else did we do? Uh, first responders church service to honor local heroes. 
I'm sure many of you have done those. We had a unique one we did when I, in the first six years that I was there. We did a wood cutting ministry, so everybody burns wood uh, for heat in their homes there in Washington. And we're in a big timber region in the mountains, and so wood burners are everywhere. And so what we did was we had Vaughan's Mill come in, Boise Cascade. We'd buy a truckload. And they would come and dump it on our property. We have 50 guys with chainsaws and mulls, and we'd go out and split 30 cord of wood on a Saturday. And we would load it up in pickup trucks, and we would take it out to community members who couldn't heat their home and, um, and give them the gospel. Now, you can't do that in Iowa. I don't even see a tree big enough to burn. Uh, but if... You have to choose context, right? I don't know what it is for you guys, but what I'm just saying is we capitalized on what we had, and it cost us three, it cost us $3,000 to buy a truck of wood. But I also got to give the gospel 30 times. And so, um, many of the ones that I've mentioned so far, like our coffee ones, have never exceeded $700. The oil change has never exceeded $700. Um, the, um, and so I look at this and say, you know, that's within every most everybody's budget at a church. Um, we gave coffee and donuts to local school teachers. So we, our nearest Krispy Kreme is an hour and a half away. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I made a, a run to Spokane, and they had them ready at 4.30. And I turned around and got up here at 6, and when the school teacher started rolling into the building at 7 o'clock, we had specialty coffee from one of our coffee shops on a cart at every at all eight schools um, in the district, and crisp, warm. We put blankets over them. We did everything we could. Warm Krispy Kreme donuts on a Monday for teachers. They would walk in. You could tell they were dragging. It's Monday, right? They don't want to be there. And students don't want to be there. They saw those Krispy Kreme donuts. They were like, man, this is great. We just spent a couple hundred bucks. I mean, they're only donuts. Um, I don't know what will be what you're going to do or what would be best in your area. You need to find that in your context. You need to find out what that is. But we have tried... I feel like we've tried a hundred things to reach people with the gospel, but I don't think we've exhausted everything that we could do. Now, just briefly, we can't spend you know forever on this, but are some of you doing something that is working effectively in the region where you're in that you could put into a cliff note version? Yes. We do a back to school bash. Oh yeah. Which basically. I'm just stealing it right now. Let's go ahead. It's um. Basically, provide <coughs> provide um, uh, pencils, paper, and that kind of thing. That's so great. Kind of yeah, and, and do you put a little uh, invitation to your church and things like that in there yeah, too? So we have, you know, bouncy houses. Yeah, that's terrific. What a great way to start the school year again. Yeah. Did a classic car show. We named it in memory of a guy that had just passed away in a previous year that was well known in the circles. Took his. Both parking lots, one for the people that are attending to park in, and then the other for the, for the cars. And uh, and then during trophy time, gospel presentation. Seven minutes. I love that. Seven minutes of, of sharing the gospel. And it's great. That is great. Yes, sir. Um, we for our men, we did an axe throwing contest. And then had a we went axe throwing. I'm not good at it, but I like where you're going with that. 
That sounds very manly. <laughs> Axe throwing. Right on. That's something your girls do where we live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's good. Oh, that's good. Timing is everything. That was good. I like that. All right. <laughs> Any others? <laughs> okay, then I'm going <laughs> to... Okay, here's here's next thing I want to say. We can schedule it. You need to schedule it. Come up with whatever works for you. But then you need to budget for it. When I came to First Baptist Church, we did not have a budget for outreach. Right? And so, uh, and it is true in every ministry. Show me your budget. I will show you your priorities. That's true in our personal life too, right? So if you show, if you were to show me your breakdown of what you spend every month, I could tell you what's most important to you. Is it your house? Is it your car? Is it your guns? Is it your, you know, membership to Costco? I don't know, but I could tell you what is most important to you by what you spend your money on. And I can also do that in a church because we fund what is our priority. And so, I had to start small. Let me give you the first thing that I wanted to do when I came to First Baptist. I came in June, and in December, I made the ask. I just wanted to give a gift to the first-time guest who would come to First Baptist. I wanted to get a coffee mug with a logo on it, and it was going to cost $2 a mug, and I wanted 300 of them. And can I just tell you, That was a bridge too far for some of our deacons. $600. Why would we spend that kind of money? We have guests now and we're not giving them anything. (laughs) So at the end of our... Now listen, I'm just... I'm really pretty easygoing. Now inside I'm boiling, but on the outside I'm pretty easygoing. And so I just said, hey guys, you know, I get where you're coming from. I understand you don't want me to spend the church's money, but if Miss Lori and I wanted to spend $600 and go ahead and get those mugs, am I going to offend any of you? Because I'd like to go ahead and do that because I think it would be helpful. We can't let our pastor pay for them. Okay, guys, you can't have it both ways. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I would really like to get the mugs, and if it's not violating a biblical principle, if you're okay with it, I'll just go ahead and buy them. And they're like, "No, we'll pay for them." It's like, believe it or not, I walked, I went home to Miss Lori. I went, I call her Miss. This habit I have in front of our church, but I, I walked home to Lori and said, "Hey." We had a victory tonight. (laughs) We're spending $600 on coffee mugs. That's the biggest budget we've had for outreach ever. (laughs) Right? In the last eight months, that's the most I've ever been able to spend on outreach. So to give you an idea of how our culture has changed in our church, this year we will spend $15,000 on outreach. So year one, $600 is too much. Year 11, we're spending $15,000 to reach our community with the gospel. So I'm telling you, people change if you're willing to go slow. And when they started hearing from the guest, 
this is really nice. It was filled with hot chocolate and, and some candy and things like that in a nice bag. And Miss Lori made them up and we had them at the welcome center. And when a guest came and they picked up their bag, hey, this is really nice. We, we, no other church is doing this. Then our deacons were like, hey, that's a really good idea. I was like, I'm glad you thought of that. <laughs> I often say, I don't care whose idea it is. I don't care who gets the credit as long as it gets done. And so, um, the, believe it or not, within, Within 12 months of that, we had $2,000 approved for an outreach with David Korn. Now, I don't know if you, um, you may be in disagreement with this idea, but he does a, a thing called magic and morality. He uses uh, illusion in order to go into the public schools, and he teaches on character in the public schools, and then he invites him to an outreach on a Thursday night where he's going to give his testimony, and he's going to do some of his bigger illusions. My deacons didn't like it. Um, and so um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you don't. Um, <laughs> but he was a friend of mine, and I said, you know, he's a gospel guy. He's going to preach the gospel. He's not, he's not weird, he, you know. Um, and, you know, it's not real. <laughs> I did. I, it, it's just he's sleight of hand. It's not real. It's not, he's not making those things appear. Uh, so we had, listen, we had 600 people show up in an auditorium that seats 220. I think I've already told this, right? Did I already tell this? I'm getting old enough that I can't remember who I told what. Uh, and so I'm becoming my dad. Uh, and so... Um, so we had this fire marshal. He says, yeah, there's about 300 people there. Don't worry about it. But we had 50 people trust Christ as Savior that night. And one of our deacons led his first soul to Christ ever in his entire life. And when we got done, even the people who said, this isn't really a good idea. I don't like the idea, said, um, Pastor, what do you need to start reaching people in this town, I said, what we really need is we need discipleship books and Bibles to go to 50 homes. Because when we follow up with them, and I had a deacon write a check on the spot for whatever we needed in order to do follow up with those who got saved. Things started and began to change. And so um, when we bought the Bibles and the first steps, we went in front of the church and said, look, these have been purchased. We're going to be taking them. Who would like to do some follow-up with us? We've got a script we'd like you to use. And just uh, and it began to change the culture of our church. Um, when you become actively involved and invested in your community, when you become givers and not takers, you know, when we churches are known for going around and asking for freebies, can I, what can I get, what can I get? When you're the one who's giving instead of getting, um, it changes the way they feel about you. Um, then the last one, and I've got to wrap up. Uh, what time do we go to? Is it one fifteen to 2.15 or we end at 2? 2.30? No. 3.30, that's not when we're supposed to go. Uh, when are we supposed to be done? Does someone know? 2.15. 2.15, okay, so I do have a few minutes. Okay, so then the last one is, now we've talked about schedule it and budget for it, now you have to do it. Right? This is the real. Don't wait. Um, when is the best time to start? Right now. <laughs> right now is the best time to start. Um, because... Um, uh, let me say it this way. When I was an assistant pastor in Texas, by the way, I love the colloquialisms and I love all the language down in Texas. And when I get back there, my wife laughs at me because I start speaking like them uh, immediately. I've been away from it long enough. But if you drop me back in there today and you, I heard a bu- bunch of Texans talking, I would talk just like them in a heartbeat. Um, 
But they have a phrase down there, and it's called, I'm fixing to. <laughs> I'm fixing to do this, and I'm fixing to do that, but sometimes it never gets done. <laughs> They're fixing to get to it eventually. Um, so let me encourage you not to wait. Even if it's just one, even if it's just one event, one small thing, um, budget for it, schedule it, budget it, and then do it. And then let me encourage you, when you've done the activity, do it in such a way that you can follow up with those who attended your activity. It's one thing to be able to say, um, I gave them a track. It's another thing to be able to say, I gave Susie a track, and her number is, and her email is. Now I have the ability to follow up with her. So even when we did the QR codes for the coffee, um, the school district had to send those out to all their teachers' emails. So we did a form email to send back out that said, we hope you enjoyed your coffee from your friends at First Baptist Church, don't forget we've got these three events that are coming up in the next, and with the dates and the times. So you're always thinking, hey, if it's not going to be on my campus where I am doing church and where they get to see me, then I need to be able to follow up. If I'm doing vacation Bible school, why do we do registration? Yes, it's so we know how many kids were there, but really it's so that we can go follow up with those children and with their parents later on and say, if you don't have a local church that you're currently attending, then we would like to invite you to be a part of First Baptist Church. By the way, I'm not into stealing people from other churches. If they're attending a church already, I, I don't need to steal them away from their church so they can go to the best church in town, right? Um, in fact, I'd just say, as a pastor, I already know that I can't meet the needs of certain people. I've had people come to First Baptist Church of Colville... Well, when we were 150, uh, we went over to a friend's house, been longtime members of First Baptist Church. We made it to 150 people, and um, no, we made it 200 because he said 150. So he made it to 200 people, uh, on, attending on a regular basis, and um, and I can remember him sitting in his living room and saying, Pastor, we really like you, we like Miss Lori, we like what the Lord's doing, but I like church a lot better when there was only 150 of us. And I'm gracious guys, so I'm like, you know what? I love that family feel. What can we do to keep, right? So I'm, I'm saying, oh, he's just saying, hey, there's just a family. He's missing the family atmosphere. What can we do to foster family atmosphere? But I think what he was saying was, the atmosphere of a church changes when you have a lot of new believers who don't know how to quite act. And you know what? That's what actually makes church exciting. Those are people who need the Lord. And it makes it fun when you're sitting next to someone in the service who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ or save, and you're praying, Lord, please let the pastor touch on the gospel today. My neighbor needs the Lord. Um, by the way, that attitude did not last for long, and they're still in our church, and they're happy in our church. But I'm just telling you, as you do these things, you're going to have to be comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable when people don't like every idea that you come up with. And by the way, for all the ones that I listed, I have about 20 or 30 that never made saw the light of day, right? Um, these are the ones that I was able to actually accomplish. I have a whole, I have a whole file of stuff that has never been attempted um, or was just told no. 
I'm fine with it. Yeah, I know. You know, in our circles, we're like, well, the pastor is supposed to be the final authority. And if he wants to do it, he should be able to do it. Yeah. And I also know that most of our churches go through church splits for the same reason. I'm I'm really comfortable if if I can only reach someone a certain way, I'm really comfortable as long as I get to reach people. So even when I was told, no, that doesn't discourage me. But you have to be sold on the idea that God wants us to give people the gospel and that if they don't hear the gospel, they're on their way to hell. And I need to do something about that. And what is that going to take? How do I reach everyone in my town? And so we've come up with some unique ways to do that. And then, of course, I already mentioned to you, the we, we reached every house every year. We didn't go every Saturday. We just did it once a year, usually around Easter. And if there were any leftover, we did it for vacation Bible school if we didn't get to all of the homes. Um, but that at least helped me in my conscience to be able to say before the Lord, I did everything I could to reach everyone this year in my town with the gospel. That doesn't include all the outlying areas, and I'm not saying that every person who read that. In fact, I let people, you'll probably scold me for this, I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Um, I let people tape it, tape the invitation on the door and run away. <laughs> They were just nervous. They're like, Pastor, I don't want to go. I don't want to go knock. I don't want. I don't want to talk to anybody. I said, Well, would you tape it on the door? Yeah. I'll, I now nothing on paint. I just on glass. Just on metal. I don't want to be repainting people's front doors, right? Um, but would you? Would you? Would you tape it on there? Yeah. And I said, Here's here's a roll of scotch tape. Here's here's eight invitations. You know, and I can just picture them sneaking away from the house. <laughs> I hope that their video camera doorbell, ring doorbell didn't pick me up or whatever. But I was like, hey, if you're willing to go and just tape it on, I'm cheering for you. That's a great first step. And hopefully the Lord and the Holy Spirit will give them more boldness. And some of you may be saying, no, no, they need to knock. I'm going to make them knock. And I was like, I was just happy to have workers. I wasn't the only one doing it anymore. And so I don't know what the Lord will do with this in your hearts. I just want to let you know that there's a whole group of pastors who are passionate about leading people to Christ and who are willing to think outside the box a little bit. Um, and maybe some of the ideas will spark something in you that you say, hey, that's super helpful. I'm willing to go do that. I certainly don't have it all figured out. Um, but I will say this. I, I love trying. I love trying to figure it out. And, um, and I hope that, that you enjoy fishing as, as much as I do. Any questions, comments? Yes, sir. Uh, so there was a lady in our church uh, eight years ago or so that started a food bank out of her garage. Um, we have, you know, Denver has a food bank at Rockies. And there are multiple churches in our area that do this in other areas that do this. About 10 cents a pound we can get food. Wow. And then um, it's grown to where uh, every other Tuesday, um, the last most recent one, we had about 70 volunteers, and it takes Monday and Tuesday to get set up. And then we have a wow. track that goes into each food box, and then we have people in the parking lot who are going door to door with the windows because they wait in line. Sure, yeah. We're passing out waters and having a crate room. We have a different track that we, we get there. And it's, it's a different kind of door to door because they're coming to us. Sure. And they're very open. You know, there's some people who kind of, you know, I don't know if they feel embarrassed that they're turning down our opportunity because <laughs> they're in our parking lot getting food. But, uh, you know, people are very receptive. I love that. Um, you know, we were concerned. You talk about budget. We're concerned if you lose our cost commitment and all mm-hmm. this. And 
we'll, we'll probably always need to be concerned about not being sidetracked, but making this for the gospel. Um, That's wonderful. But it's paying for itself because there's like a candy jar donation type thing, and that more than covers the cost of the rush. How wonderful. So, um, so I'm just doing this for recording in case someone can't hear. It was a food bank idea, just in case they're recording this, and, and I'm talking to you and they can't hear. Yeah. Um, on the GFA podcast uh, research that Marshall Fant does, he interviewed one of our sister churches, Grace Baptist and Parker. And you can go listen to that podcast, and they explain what they do. Um, but uh, it's really been a blessing for our church. And That's great. That. That's awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. Anyone else? Yes, sir. You alluded to this yesterday. I was a church planner also. You alluded to this yesterday, but it's probably good to say it again. You don't always see immediate results from these things. Sometimes you don't see results for years. But it's this accumulated effect of sowing a seed and getting the word out and letting God work on hearts. I mean, I've had, as you were saying yesterday, I had ladies come say, someone gave this on my door. And I'm looking back, that was five years ago. But right. Life yeah. Up and all of a sudden they're going through their drawers and find this. They said, this church reached out to me five years ago. Yeah. I to help. And, and as a church planner, I saw that numerous times. Absolutely. Not a week later or yeah. summer, but sometimes years later, it's amazing how God can work. We have to get the word out. Yes. And I would say um, for the encouragement of your whole church, when you have a story of someone who's been led to the Lord, even if it's only one for the year, you ought to rehearse that in front of your church. So when you remember uh, yesterday, well, I don't know if you could hear, but um, in my message, I mentioned Vicky, Andara, and Rayanne. When 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 Rayanne finally got baptized, we had all three of those ladies stand up, and I just said, "Vicky, no, not the pastor. Vicky led Dara to the Lord. Dara led Rayanne to the Lord. This is called multiplication." Right. It's addition when we do one by ourselves and one by ourselves and one by ourselves. But when we have a whole church who's cooperating together to win people to the Lord, that's multiplication. Um, and by the way, I would have never met Dara if it wasn't for Vicky. And I wouldn't have met someone who was homebound like Rayanne who needed a special bus to get her to come to church. I, where would I have even met her at? If it wasn't for Vicky doing her job, then... We would not have seen any of that fruit. So when we told our story that to the church, who could help but clap for that, right? And then when we say this is what it's supposed to look like in the local New Testament church, then I have five people on Monday say, hey, pastor, I've got someone I'm, I want to use one of those uh, those discipleship books with. And then you're, you're sitting back saying, oh, here we go, right? Here's the momentum we've been waiting for. And how soon does that happen? For us, it's three, four, five years down the road before we actually see real traction taking place. So if you're patient, you move slow, you bring everyone with you. And that's part of the pastor's job is to train people about the importance and the priorities. Sometimes we think they should know what we know. But I'll just say, when you're tired of talking about it, they're just starting to get it. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. And so you got to keep going. And you've encouraged yourself in the Lord, like David did, right? Encourage yourself in the Lord. And get around other pastors who are passionate about um, evangelism. That's why, honestly, and you know, I know we've just started working here, uh, but uh, not even. I mean, we just moved here. We were, I don't start work for a few more weeks. Um, that's why I enjoy hanging out with Jim Tillotson. Because we have these kind of conversations all the time. My wife would say, you guys just recharge each other. 
You'll tell him something he gets all excited about. Then he tells you something you get all excited about it. It almost sounds like that verse in Proverbs where iron sharpens iron. And I'm looking forward to working here because of this and training other young men for ministry who will be passionate about souls. And I know that you are. And I hope that some of these ideas have helped today. And if none of them help, just don't let me know. Okay? Uh, and so, uh, but, but you, hopefully it'll at least planted a seed of curiosity to say, how can I get the gospel to my community? I just want to be an encouragement to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's your desire that souls are saved. Um, you don't want one to perish. And I don't either. And I know these men don't. And you've given us the, the towns that we're in. You have placed us in the right place for the right time for to use our spiritual giftings to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would give us strength and encouragement. And I would even say courage to, to reach out to our communities. I pray that you would give us the right idea for the context that we're in. I pray that you would give these men supportive church members who would help them. Most of all, Lord, we pray to the Lord of the harvest that you would give us souls. We ask for your help to do these things in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the Proclaim and Defend podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and give us a good review. If you want to learn more about the FBFI, check out our website at fbfi.org or our blog, Proclaim and Defend, at proclaimanddefend.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Proclaim and Defend podcast.